Amen. Thank you for coming this morning, and uh, you may be seated. Thank you for being here. If you're joining us online, we're glad that you're with us, and I do pray that uh, you've had a great new year, great holiday season. Maybe you're just coming back after the holidays. We're glad to have you with us. If you're a guest with us, we're glad that you're here. And uh, we do hope if you are a guest that uh, on the side of the uh, handout on the uh, bulletin, you can uh, tear off the side of that if you didn't get a guest card, and, and you, can, uh, you can throw that in the offering box on the way out at any door. Also, you can go to the connections counter as well. If you want more information about HBF and want to know kind of what the next steps are, we'd be happy to help connect you and direct you this morning. This morning, we're going to be talking about finishing his work. And uh, I pray that you're encouraged uh, this with the, the series. I'm, I'm kind of doing a mini-series. I decided not to just try to pack everything into one Sunday morning. Um, I've been thinking for months and months about where we're going in uh, 2021, maybe even maybe longer than months. Maybe I was thinking about it last year. I don't know. But, but thank you for, for being here today. And I want you to, to enjoy uh, what God has for us today in the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, we turn to the book of John chapter 4. Familiar passage to some, maybe to some others it's not. Uh, today is our 2021 vision update, uh, and it, I, I pray it's a, it's a good start to the new year. And for those of us that uh, maybe you're joining us for the first time online, uh, or you're here in the flesh and you, couldn't, like, you didn't want anybody to know, we are really, really glad that you're with us. And uh, what a difference a year makes. You know, think, I was thinking back to where we were this time last year, and uh, you know, we hadn't even heard of COVID-19 uh, we had relative peace. There was no, you know, huge social unrest or anything like that going on. Um, it was a time, um, you know, we were looking forward to, to our theme, which last year was being whole, wholeness and holiness. And I took several weeks to talk about that. But a lot of things have changed in the last year. Nevertheless, God's been doing a lot of wonderful things. As we pointed out last time we met, if you weren't here, I went through the congregation and just talked about some of the positive things God has done. And we had several people that have been saved. Several people got baptized last year. Several people have started discipleship. Several people have started discipling for the first time, someone else. And, uh, and, and several other things. There's been many children born and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And, you know, as life is going forward. And it's important as Christians that we go forward as well. And we are focused uh, forward and we know where we're going. And we're going to heaven if you're born again this morning. And so we praise God for that. Amen. So the la- la- this time last year, I-, I opened with this sermon series called uh, Wholeness and Holiness. And we took some time, we talked about longing for eternity. And uh, I think I long for eternity a little bit more than this year than I did last year. And so that's a good thing. Um, also, we spent a lot of time talking about realizing our identity. And that was a really important uh, piece of that puzzle. And ultimately, that was so we could fulfill our ministry. And so that took about the whole month of January uh, last year, just to kind of focus on those things. And we've been working through that, even through the different series and things that we've been doing. Uh, Even right now, I'm still wrapping up Ephesians, which is dealing with that identity component. And we're in Ephesians chapter 6 on Wednesday nights. And then uh, on Sunday nights, we're still working through 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And and so all of those pieces are coming together. And as we look forward to to what's coming on in 2021... as it is my custom, I want to take the next few weeks and just focus on where I believe God would have us to go this year. And this year marks the completion of our 19th year and the beginning, it's hard to believe, 20 years. I mean, that's a, that's a long time ago, Bruce and Carol. Thanks for coming. They, Bruce and Carol were here the first... How many were here on the first Sunday that we met? I, there's still a handful, several of us. Man, praise the Lord. That was uh, March... What was that? That was July 6th of uh, 2002. I don't know where March came from. Uh, I wasn't a senile back then. Or what did I say? July. July, January. Just to prove my point, I'm getting senile too. So one of the things that happens in 20 years is you lose your bearings and, and you lose your brain. Um, I don't know where I left it, but by God's grace, uh, God will speak and, and I won't this morning. But uh, yeah, so January 6th of 2002 is when we started and it's been, it's been awesome. All that God has done, uh, but there's still a lot left to do. There's a long way to go. And so the church began meeting. Uh, January 6th of 2002, and in the old Harrisonville Christian School. Uh, and, you know, in those years, it's amazing to see the people that have gotten saved, discipled, sent, and all that God has done. And so I'm aware that, that maybe you're joining us this morning, and, and you really are just now starting. We have a lot of people just now starting their walk with Christ. Uh, you haven't been saved, but 
some of you just weeks, some of you months, and, you're, and some of you are just starting in the discipleship process. Some of you maybe have been in the kingdom of God for a while, but you're just starting to learn the Bible. You're just getting excited about the Bible. And, uh, man, I hope, I, hope, I hope that you are, are encouraged this morning as well because God has something for all of us. God wants to take us forward, uh, and he wants us to, to be ready for eternity. He wants us to be ready uh, to meet him in the air. He wants us to be ready to go home. And, uh, and God wants us to, to not only remember what's gone on in the past, but to look forward to the future. And so if you would stand with me, we're going to read a portion of John chapter 4 this morning. Uh, if you don't have um, a Bible, you can grab one from the seat rack in front of you. And, uh, and we can, you can be turning to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Before we get to reading in John chapter 4, I just want to give you a little bit of background. For those of you that have never frequented that part of the Bible... John is the, uh, is the fourth book in the New Testament, by the way, if you're looking for that. Uh, John chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 31 through 38. Uh, but what's going on is, at this time is Jesus is making his way through Samaria. He's going through an area that is full of half-breeds. Uh, they're, they're, they were Jews that were taken captive in the Assyrian captivity hundreds of years before Jesus' ministry. And uh, they claimed to be Jewish, but they didn't have a heritage. They didn't have a pedigree. Uh, they're like, well, like a lot of Americans, right? We're just a kind of a hodgepodge of people from all over the world. Uh, but they claimed, you know, to worship God, but they also didn't worship God in Jerusalem. And so they were, they were not really welcome people among the Hebrews. Some of the Hebrew Pharisees despised them so much, they wish they didn't even resurrect in the resurrection. They, 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 they were praying against the resurrection. Um, they didn't claim them. They even, Jesus in John eight forty eight was insulted by the, the uh, Jews when they called him a Samaritan. Well said that you're a Samaritan. And that was a backhanded slap uh, that he was not even fit to be a Hebrew. And so they did not, they did not get along well with their neighbors. And, um, and most of the time, a Jew would not even go through Samaria. But Jesus is making his way through. In John chapter 4 and verse 4, the Bible says, I must needs go through Samaria. He had business to do in Samaria. And to the credit of Jesus' disciples... Uh, though they were Jewish and they were patriots, they followed him into the territory, um, and they did not, you know, strongly disagree with him. We are not told that they did, and they went in with him, and and uh, and they found out the legitimacy of this trip uh, through what we're about to read here in John chapter four. So, around noon, uh, the disciples head off to get some lunch at Sychar, and Jesus finds this woman at the well. Maybe you've heard about the woman at the well. And she had less than an honorable re- reputation. I'm not going to get into whole, the whole story, but she didn't have a good reputation. And, and Jesus, uh, which was not common for a Jew to speak to a Samaritan, especially a Samaritan woman, and, a, and especially um, you know, uh, in, under those circumstances, but he crossed that barrier and he spoke with her. And, of course, he shared the water of life, which was himself, with her. And she engaged him and acknowledged him as, a, as the, not a, as the, the, the Messiah, Started off as a prophet, and she figured out he was the Messiah. And that is where we pick up our text. And she is now going off to the city of Sychar to tell all the men, uh, this man that she has met, that the Messiah has come, and she has met him at the well. And so if you have your text, in John chapter 4 and verse 31, the Bible says here, as she has now gone off to, to uh, the city, it says, In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus saith to them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already, to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal life, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you have entered into their labors. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to enter into your labors. Lord, we thank you for the work that you did on the cross. We thank you for the gospel that you've made available to us, the good news that you uh, not only died on the cross for our sins, but you rose again. 
We're thankful for the incarnation. We're thankful for the resurrection. We're thankful for your ascension. And Lord, we look for your return any day, any moment. And Lord, in the meantime, we're left here to finish your work. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us today understand principles from this passage this week, next week, and the following, Lord, that would help us really set our focus forward and accomplish the work that you have us to do. We'll thank you and we'll praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So it seemed like in the midst of a great work of redemption, uh, it'd be like us. The disciples are concerned about lunch, right? So this is, a, this is a big story. You know, God takes a lot of time in his Bible, a lot of space, a lot of pages, a lot of words to talk about what's going on in Samaria. And when you're introduced to his disciples, well, they're like, hey, man, what time is it? Time for lunch, right? And that's what their concern is about. You know, just about the time, you know, I'm asking, who was it? Sharon tuned me in. I'm like, what time were the Chiefs play today? Because we know lunch is important and the Chiefs are important, right? (laughs) Spiritual work needs to get done, but, you know, other things, you know, get in the way. And so the disciples, they're with Jesus. They're doing what Jesus wants them to do. They're with him in Samaria. But they're really not fully grasping everything that's going on. And that's kind of how we are sometimes. We don't really grasp all the things that that Jesus is doing right in front of us. And, of course, you've read the text. You know what Jesus told them to do is lift up their eyes, look on the fields. They're wanting to harvest. See what I'm doing around you because I'm doing some stuff. Sometimes we've got to pause and go, oh, wow, God, you are doing some stuff. But nevertheless, they take Jesus and and they take him aside and they say, hey, Jesus, you know, uh, you you need some lunch, man. You haven't had any lunch. Can we get you some food? And what he wants to do is really teach him about work. He's like, guys, I, I, I don't have time right now for this. I, I, got, I got meat that you know not of. I, I, my, my focus is, is on things above, Colossians chapter 3. It hadn't been written yet, but that's where his focus is. He is dealing with what the Father sent him to do right there in Samaria, right there at the well, right there as this lady walks away to Sychar. And so what we need to learn, first of all, and the title for this week's message is His Work is Spiritual. Very simple. This isn't going to be a profound thing. I'll probably say a lot of things you know, but that's okay. This is really not about what we know. It's really about what we understand and what we actually do with what we know. And that is the whole of the Christian life. And guys, when the, when the, when the time is short, as it is today, it's important that we know what to do and we do what, to do, we do what we're supposed to do in the time frame that we have to do it. Because time is short. And so Jesus is, is talking about his work, and his work is spiritual. And what drew Jesus into Samaria? Well, it was the will of the Father and, for the, and the work that God had him to do there. He wasn't just hanging out. He wasn't just randomly passing through Samaria. He, I already mentioned in verse 4, he says, I've I got to go here. I must needs go to Samaria. And so he did. And, and so that's what he was doing. And while he was doing that, his disciples learned some very valuable lessons by following him to places that were not comfortable. He led them out of their place of comfort so that they could learn some lessons about what it is that he was doing. Now, they were not against following Jesus. They were all about following Jesus. These were followers of Christ. That's why they're disciples. He didn't have 120 people following him. He didn't have 70 people following him. He had 12 of his disciples following him. And they're following him down into Samaria. But what they didn't have, they had no willingness, right? They had no obedience, but what they needed was some discernment. And that's your first point. Disciples need discernment. Disciples need discernment. Why? Because Jesus desires his disciples discern the physical work from the spiritual work. You know, you got to feed your belly, but there's also souls that need to be fed. They needed some discernment. So Jesus was, just because we witness what Jesus is doing, doesn't mean we understand what jesus is doing isn't that the case i mean i'm the pastor guys jesus does some stuff i don't always understand what he's doing but i know he's doing right he's working and in john chapter 4 and verse 32 uh, jesus says in the text but he said unto them i have meat to eat that you know not of therefore said that his, uh, the disciples one to the other hath any man brought him ought to eat all right they're focused on this physical meal <laughs> and they're like man did he go by the drive-thru? I mean, who brought him some food? Where did he get the food? And Jesus is like, man, you're not picking up what I'm laying down. 
So Jesus says unto them, my meat, my meal, what fills me up when I'm hungry, I hunger more for this than anything else, is to do the will of him that sent me. What really fills me up is the will of the Father. That's, that's what I'm, let me put it in other terms. Jesus is saying, I'm hungering to please my Father in heaven. I'm hungering, I'm hungering to, please, to do what it is I'm here to, here to do. I mean, I got a body and I can eat. But right now I don't feel like eating. Because there's something more important and it's pleasing the Father. I, I know that I'm in a place right now, I have come to a place to please the Father. That's why, that's why I'm here. And what they got to pick up on is that's why you're here. You know, you know, God has led us. He led, he's led our nation. He's led the world right now into an uncomfortable place. And you can say, well, that's not God. It's the devil. Whatever. Right? We understand principalities and powers. We, ultimately, God's in charge, and God allows whatever happens to happen. So the free will grace guy is also saying God's sovereign, because he is. And in his sovereignty, you know what he wants us to do? He wants us to learn and discern what it is we're supposed to be doing in uncomfortable places. And understand what it is and who we are, all the stuff we talked about last, last year, being whole, right? Having our identity squared away so that we can focus on the work that's ahead of us. And so Jesus says, I want to do the will of him that sent me. And what's really captivated my mind, this is several months ago, is just that last few words of the verse there. And this is really the theme of HBF for this year, what we're going to be working on in our vision conference in April we do the missions conference it'll probably find its way into every conference that we do bible conference and other things is simply finish his work right you can't finish his work if you don't know what his work is you got to know what his work is to finish his work so you might be asking well what work is he referring to and you're asking great questions i'm glad you're here so this phrase his work it's first mentioned in, in, in Genesis chapter 2, and I've, I've thrown those verses down. We're not going to look all these up, but if you just did a word study, it's a great word study. Look up the phrase, his work. It's interesting. The first time you find that is in Genesis 2 and verse 2 in relation to the seventh day, right? So everything physical that you can see in the universe, not just on the earth, not just in outer space, or not just in our solar system, uh, but in the universe, beyond our even comprehension, all that physical stuff was created in seven literal days. And then when God got done with that, he spoke it into existence. You got the account in Genesis. And then he's like, seventh day? All right, I'm finishing his work. His work was finished. You can go back and look up the reference in Genesis 2 and verse 2. That's the first time you find this phrase, his work. So God, we know God can, he can do some heavy lifting, right? When I start conferences a lot of times and you've got a condensed schedule, I'll talk to people about what can God do in 24 hours. Well, you go through the creation account. He can do quite a bit in 24 hours. I mean, he can speak worlds into existence. You know, he can, he can, put out, he can throw up the third heaven. He can do whatever he wants to do. I mean, God's big. He can do some work. But we also know from, uh, from this season that we just come through celebrating the advent of Christ, his first advent, his first coming, that God can also bring himself down and meet us where we're at, right? He, he came in the... In the form of a baby, I mean, good night. He was incarnate, God with us, Emmanuel, and all the meaning and the depth of that. It's amazing, the miracle of that. Why did he do all that? So he could finish his work. Because some things went wrong in the garden. You know about Adam and Eve. You know all that. He was wanting to do a redemptive work. Just like when you open up the first pages of Genesis, right? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It's perfect. One heaven, one earth, everything was great. And then we know something happened between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. Sin entered in, and it wasn't on earth. It was in heaven, right? Lucifer. And then we see all of a sudden things were in chaos, and God goes to work in redeeming his physical creation. But what we see here at the woman at the well is God is he's so awesome. He can, he, can, he, can, he can fix the universe, but he can also meet you at the well and fix your heart, fix your life, fix your soul. I mean, isn't that amazing? I mean, God is macro, and man, he is, he's micro. He'll meet you where you are. He's amazing. He wants to do his work. And this is what he's doing in John chapter 4. We're told in Deuteronomy 32, 4, another reference to his work. Jesus is referenced to in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 4 is the rock. 
and that's long before Dwayne Johnson, and uh, calls him the rock, and it says his work is perfect. His work is perfect. You know, Jesus is doing a work. He does a work in creation. He wants to do a work in our life. He can work in the universe, the solar system, the planets. He can set all that in order. And he can set Adam's sinful race back where it needs to be. He can redeem us. How many of you would say, I'm redeemed this morning? Say, amen. Raise your hand. That's a witness. Amen, Lord. Praise God. Some of you can't really say that in your heart. Maybe you raised your hand, but you know you're lying to yourself because you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're online watching. Man, I hated those days when people would ask questions like that when I didn't know Jesus and I knew I was kind of in my heart. I was like, I really don't know. You know, one of the things God wants to do right now is redeem your life. So you can know. You can know you're redeemed. It's like this woman, man, she's so bold. She's like, I got to go tell everybody. I am redeemed. It's amazing what God can do in our lives. Man, isn't that a great testimony? You guys, so many of you, I mean, yes, I'm redeemed. Man, really, what else you got to worry about? COVID? Ah. You know, Jesus has got it. We're crazy for Jesus. That's awesome. We need to be. We need to follow him. We need to follow him to places that make us uncomfortable because it's really not just about our redemption, is it? Oh, that's right. It's not just about our bellies. I'm redeemed now, so let me go back to my job so I can feed my belly. Well, guess what? There's other people who aren't redeemed, and there's a lot of them. And God wants us to be about that work. Now, Jesus, as you know, would go on to offer himself for the sin of the world and finish the work with the offering as a high priest in the third heaven after his resurrection. And then later he'd ascend and sit at the right hand of the Father. And, and then he left his disciples here to, to do some work, right? Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's what we do here at Heartland. We equip the saints, people that are saved, in the word of God to accomplish the mission of God which is to go out and take the gospel make disciples of all nations right so we equip the saints of God and the word of God to accomplish the mission of God and the power of God that, that means we need the Holy Ghost to do that the gospel right we do this for the glory of God ultimately it's about God's glory all right so Jesus is he's talking here with these guys and he's like hey uh, guys you're not picking up what I'm laying down uh, I got work to do here, and I'm trying to finish. Not my work, not your work. He says his work. Okay. So that's right. Uh, there's other work that Jesus had to do as well. This, we'll. We'll get back around to that in a minute. But you need to also know a really important thing that we teach around here is, is in John chapter 17 and verse 4. Jesus said, I have glorified thee on earth, and I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. You know, Jesus had work to get done on earth before he could go to heaven. He had work to accomplish here on earth before he went to heaven. Does it ever occur to you that for most of us, I've been saved now for a good long time. I got saved in 90, 1987. So I've been saved a long time. Why has God left me here? Why has God left you here? Why has God left you here? Maybe to finish his work. And what might that work be? Well, if you're saved and you've been redeemed, but God hasn't taken you home, you've got work to do on earth. And that work is to make disciples. You're like, well, Brian, you've been preaching this for almost 20 years at this place. Yes, I have. Because there's really nothing else that we're left here to do. That is what we're here to do. We're to glorify God by getting his image in other people so that they can get his image in other people. And that doesn't happen unless we do that through the process of discipleship. There is no distinction between evangelism and discipleship. They are one and the same. If you're really a disciple of Jesus Christ, then you're going to be sharing Jesus Christ with other people because that's what disciples of Jesus Christ do. Because when you follow Christ, you follow his will, and his will is to see people saved. Pretty simple. Praise the Lord. So before the finished work on the cross was done, the finished work of making disciples was done in John 17, 4. He's like, hey, I'm praying, hey, Father, I have, man, I've finished the work that you had me to do. And now he's getting ready to do that, that other work of redemption, justification, glorification. So if you're a Christian here today, why do you think God left you here 
after you're saved. Well, it's to finish his work, and you'd be right about that. And so God needs you to be part of his discipleship process. Disciples follow Jesus. They learn of Jesus. They emulate Jesus. They are here in Christ's stead. What are we doing from there? What's the rest of the verse say? Reconciling men to God. That's what we're here. We're we're here to do is reconcile people. We're here to be part of that redemptive work. God wants to not only do a redemptive work in your life, he wants to do a redemptive work through your life. That's what he wants to have happen in our life. That's the work that he needs to get done in and through our lives. So the disciples followed Jesus into Samaria, but they still didn't fully grasp what they were doing there. You know, they're like, hey, I'm hungry. Now, the tension between the Samaritans and the Jews is noted in other locations in the Bible. Let me kind of go back to that because that's part of the, the dynamic here with Jesus getting his disciples to lift up their eyes and look on the fields is, and, and understand about this work business is they're in a place where, well, they really don't feel like working. I mean, nobody even wants to be, I mean, it's kind of interesting. Steve gets up and says, I don't know if I feel like being here today. I'm like, man, that is transparent, brother. I hope you do feel like being here. Because this is where Jesus is at. He's in the Word. But you know what? They didn't really feel like being in Samaria. They were only there because Jesus took them there. He took them to some uncomfortable places. There was tension in, the, in that culture. And so in Luke chapter 10, Jesus is having a conversation with the lawyer. Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. I'm not going to go back and read it for time's sake, but he notes the compassion of this Samaritan. And, 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 the, and the example that Jesus uses as a good neighbor isn't found among the Jews. <laughs> he uses a Samaritan. He says, you want an example of what a good neighbor is? Oh, it's a Samaritan who took and bound up a, a wounded man who was, who was assaulted on, on the road. And just a certain Jew, someone that wasn't like him, was assaulted on the, on the, along the way. And the priest went by him. The Levite went by him. But the Samaritan stopped, and he took him and took him to the inn and made sure that he was okay. And Jesus says, oh, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good neighbor. That's a good, and we even say that today. I mean, RV clubs, good Samaritan, right? Everybody, the, the traveler, yeah, I don't know why, what, what that has to do with RVs. But anyway, the, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's good Samaritan is a phrase we still use today. So a certain Jew uh, is attacked, and this Samaritan shows mercy, becomes an example of mercy. Later in Jesus' ministry, about three months before his death, as a matter of fact, in Luke 17, 16, Jesus healed ten lepers. Now, the ten lepers that were, set, that were healed, how many came back? Anybody remember? That's right, one. I guess, does anybody remember where that, that, that leper was from? He was, he was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. And so the Samaritan woman herself was, was shocked when a Jew, like Jesus, would offer her something to drink. And look in the text, just back up a few verses in, in chapter 4 there, in verse 7. It says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. They were out getting lunch, right? Out to lunch. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. I mean, this was so obvious. You just don't do that. You don't cross these bridges. What are you doing? Why are you even talking to me, sir? You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan, number one. Number two, you're a man, and I'm a woman. That was, not, that was also not common. So Jesus is breaking all the rules to speak to this lady while the disciples were off finding food for their belly. And Jesus was teaching the woman at the well that if she would be honest about the sin in her heart and her life, that he would provide her eternal water from a well that would never run dry. Wouldn't a great account that is. That's worth preaching unto itself. And so Jesus' disciples, they come upon the end of that conversation, and they didn't question Jesus' actions, but they, did, but they also didn't understand him either. In John chapter 4 and verse 27, we'll start in verse 25, the Bible says, The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus saith unto her, I, I that speak unto thee am he. He reveals himself to her. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. 
Yet no man said, what seekest thou, or why talkest with her? You know, I've got to commend the disciples on one thing. They did not, they absolutely didn't question Jesus' integrity, even though he was doing something that was kind of like, whoa, Jesus, you, don't you know better? But then they're like, well, yeah, he does know better, so I guess he's doing what he wants to do because he's God. And, and that's what he was doing. He was meeting somebody where they're at. Though the disciples were not grasping what Jesus was doing, they were obedient to follow anyway. Sometimes God just calls us to be obedient, just to follow what he says. Go to places you're not comfortable going and get involved in conversations you're not comfortable having to start with. You know what we call that? Witnessing. (laughs) We call that witnessing. We call that doing what we're put on the planet to do. Be a witness for Jesus Christ. You know, this home, this earth shouldn't be that comfortable for us, should it? It should be a little uneasy being here. Does this earth feel like your home? Sometimes it feels a little too much like my home. I'll be honest with you. I think if my home was along the beach, I'd be pretty cozy here. <laughs> so, you know. But honestly, in our soul, we need to really think about these things deeply. And go, wait a minute, this isn't our home, and we're only putting the things that are really uncomfortable. Well, that's actually why I'm here. I'm here in this uncomfortable position because that's where Christ put me. I'm I'm here to be a witness for him. I'm here to represent him. And what Jesus is really doing is just setting that example. Now, I know this room, a lot of you right now are like, well, Brian, I know all this, man. I, I've been through discipleship one. I've been through discipleship two. I've been through HBI, man. I can preach this better than you can. And you know what? You're probably right. But this is the thing. Can you be an example of what we're talking about? Because Jesus is setting an example for his disciples to follow. See how that works? You know what that's called? Yeah, you know what it's called. Discipleship. That's the work that we have to do around here is discipleship. You guys are, see how simple it is? It all goes together, doesn't it? God is amazing. His word's amazing. So it may be that God is calling you to cross-cultural barriers, even today, to minister the gospel to people who, even have a, who, who may not even be your same religion. Someone that may not relate to you naturally. Someone, maybe people that are even, you don't even like them. You know, I got saved. The man who led me to Christ, honestly, I did not like him until I got saved. And now I, he's like my father. I mean, no, I, my dad's my dad. But, I mean, outside of my physical father, he's as close to a father figure as I would have. And I love him in the Lord. Why is that? Well, that's Jesus. Because he went to a place that was uncomfortable one day. Could have cost him his job. And led a dude to Christ right there at his job, which was a school. You want to be a rebel? Well, guess what, all you rebels? You got all kinds of opportunities coming your way. You just got to stand for Jesus, and you are automatically going to become a rebel. You know, forget Billy Idol. Well, but the Christian, right? The rebel yell is coming from the gospel. I'm really dating myself anyway. So it's very likely that the doors of international ministry, I'm going to, let me pivot here to to stuff that's really on my heart. Um, The doors of international ministry. I can't, I'm not a prophet. I want to be. I just know if you look, look out on the field, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Everybody's still talking, you know, the election this, the election that. It looks to me like Biden's going to win or won or whatever. Get the election. Someone's going to be in charge of this place. All right. If that does go down that way, then and we don't have some civil war or something, then then guess what's going to happen? I think, I think this is not a guarantee, but I would think then that that uh, the this country is going to open back up to a lot of international ministry, just like it was, you know, several years ago. We we this church planted a church in Kansas City, Kansas under the same exact circumstances just, four, just you know, a decade ago. But there's new people here. It's a new day. It's a new season. But you know what we do? We do the same thing. 
we make disciples that make disciples that reach the world, even if the world comes to us. Right? Because if you or you, and see, this is what happens. If you won't follow Jesus into Samaria, Samaria will come to you. <laughs> right? That's how that works. Right? If you don't go where God tells you to go, well, then he'll just bring who you need to go to to your front door or your living room. You know. The issue isn't where you're going. The issue is are you following Jesus and doing what you're supposed to do everywhere? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, wherever you find them. What should Americans be offering the peoples of the world anyway? A wall? Uh, no, we we don't. You know, we don't want the economy. We don't. Want the, okay, well, what? Are, okay, let's, you got to let me tell you something that can get in the way of following Jesus. And I'm going to say some stuff here in Cass County. Some of you ain't going to like it. And you need to know this when I say this. I'm the biggest, I'm as big of a patriot as anybody else. This is like in Jesus' ministry when many people could not hear it probably and went the other way. But I'm just going to say it. Your patriotism can get in the way of you following Jesus. And the reason why is because you don't understand judgment and justice. You're more concerned about some things that are which rightly so, I get where you're coming from, I'm even with you there in heart and spirit, but the reality is you have to look at the judgment that this nation deserves when you kill millions of babies, when you allow homosexuality to go unchecked. You know, when we, when we I talk about we, not the world, the world's the world, but when the church sits by and we don't preach the gospel like we ought and we start entertaining I mean, there's, there's a lot of judgment. God expects us to be who we say we are. Okay, so just, just a little bit. Just, just think about that a little bit before you get so torqued around the axle and so uncomfortable that you can't actually do what you're here to do, which is bring the light in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, Philippians chapter 2. I guarantee you, Jeremiah the prophet, he didn't really like the thought of Nebuchadnezzar rolling up on Israel. Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet didn't like it either. I don't like it either. I don't like it. There's a lot of things I can't control that I don't like. At the end of the day, though, we got one job. What's that job? Finish his work. What's that work? Make disciples. And when we said, the preacher, you hear me all the time, love God. That's right, love people. What people? The people I like. No, this is the people we love. We love the people that Jesus Christ died for. Muslim people? People that want to chop our heads off? Blow up our buildings? Yes, those people too. You love people because Jesus loved you first. Because before Christ, you were his enemy. But now, through his blood, you've been reconciled to him. And so when you think about finishing his work, there's some things you've got to contemplate here. It's like, I'm, am I willing to go to difficult places? Am I willing to talk to people that, that may not even like me, that don't like my God? Am I willing to be like Jesus? Am I willing to follow Jesus the way that Jesus rolled? And to love people who hate me? And to meet people where they're at? Now, this is a heavy lift coming out of the simple message of John chapter 4. But I'm just trying to prep you all for the kind of Christianity we should have been living already. It's certain that if we, if we will not make ourselves uncomfortable and travel to where people uh, are to do the work of evangelism and discipleship, then God will just simply bring them to us. That, that statement that I made right there, that's nothing new. I said that decades ago or more. And there was one guy in our church that took that seriously. You know who it was? Anybody got a guess? Dave Pierce. And we had, we had after conversation conversation about that. And that's why he ended up in KCK. Do you love God enough to build long-term relationships with, with a Muslim? Well, Brian, I don't know any Muslims. Well, you're not yet. Do you want to start looking? You should. Because if you really love your nation, you need to lead as many Muslims to Christ as you can. 
the best solution for you as a Christian isn't to, to shoot them all and let God sort them out. Now, if you join the Marine Corps, the Army, whatever, that's a different story. But as far as this army, the Christian army, the kingdom of God army, your best solution is to turn everyone into Jesus. And you do that by inviting Jesus, introducing them to Jesus so they can, they can invite him into their heart. They can bow before Let me be more precise. Bow before him and call upon his name as Lord and Savior. You see what I'm saying? That's the best way to affect change in any culture. Whether you're doing it there or you're doing it here. Let me, let me get a little more practical. You want to stop meth addicts from cutting off your catalytic converters? And criminals from frequenting your property? Whoever you are. Whoever you may be. Then what you need is Jesus Christ in your heart. The best way to... I'd love to get everybody saved and clean out the Cass County Jail. Wouldn't that be awesome? There's nobody here. They're all going to Heartland. All the criminals are piling in making disciples at HBF. And all the Cadillac converters in the county are back on. <laughs> now that would be some serious change, wouldn't it? You could put that in a paper. Some of you will get that later. You may not know all the backstory, but anyway... There are many barriers that we face as Christians, um, and we're Christ's ambassadors. You know, an ambassador, they enter into some tense situations, don't they? they? Oftentimes, sometimes it's good and it's easy, praise the Lord, but sometimes an ambassador is in the place where they're, whew, they're negotiating. And you know what they're negotiating? The peace. They're trying to keep the peace. They're trying to, to keep the peace and to, and to advance the agenda of the king or the government that they represent. They don't have the luxury or the liberty of changing sides. We call those traitors, and that's penalty of death. They have to advance. They have to represent the government in which they represent. You don't have the luxury of defecting. And some of us as Christians, in the days ahead, you're going to have to really get serious about the government in heaven that you represent and the way you represent Jesus if you're going to finish his work of making disciples in difficult places, uncomfortable places, uncomfortable situations, because that's the call of the Christian life. It has been for 2,000 years. We just had a little easy here in the USA. So there are religious barriers, aren't there, in the community. There's, there's also social barriers. Just practically, there's, there's the rich and the poor. I don't think we're just overflowing with affluence here. So some of you are going to have to get out of your comfort zone and go witness to some rich people. <laughs> See? You, you know, I mean, that's just what's going to have to happen. There, there's racial barriers. Down here, it's not so much black and white. But in our culture, isn't there a lot of racial barriers today? A lot of tension? We're pretty monolithic racially around here. Uh, but there's also, well, you know what we have a lot of right here where we live in Jerusalem? Well, we have all kinds of social barriers, don't we? The longer I'm down here, the more I find I'm figuring them out. I don't even think I fully grasp them all yet. But you've got to cross those things, and you've got to witness there. There are religious barriers, even the church and the unchurched. There's all kinds of barriers, but you know, Jesus, that's, Jesus, that's where Jesus is leading us, to those places we're like, we're the Samaritans at the well. Go, why are you even talking to me, man? Well, I'm glad you asked. You thirsty? I got some water for you. I want to provide you something that you need. In 2021, we need to look to minister the water of life to those who aren't like us. Because in case you haven't been looking around increasingly and much more as the days go forward, a lot of people aren't like us. We are truly becoming a peculiar people. And the Bible tells us if we're peculiar people, which we ought to be, then we should be zealous. We should be zealous of good works, not, not kind of like leisurely. I mean, we should be like, yes, man, let's get into this thing. Let's go after it. Let's be zealous about this. Let's do what we need to do. Let's do the work of making disciples. Point B, disciples need a divine diet. The problem is these guys are hungering for the wrong food. The disciples of Jesus Christ need spiritual food for spiritual work. Right? you got to have spiritual food if you're going to do spiritual work. Just like you need physical food if you're going to do physical work. 
And so in John 4.33, Jesus says, Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? I mean, where did he get this food? And Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. The disciples learned, or learned that Jesus' spiritual meat was to do the will of the Father. And we've talked about that. But my question to us, to me, this isn't just a, this stuff. By the way, when I'm doing these vision updates, I'm talking about wholeness and holiness. And I'm talking about finish his work. If you think I'm just like whipping this stuff up so I can come up with some model to lead the church and, you know, whatever, some organizational, you know, trick, you're kidding yourself. Guys, I'm living this just like you are. You just need to know that. I'm thinking, as I'm preaching this to you, I'm thinking, oh God, at the judgment seat of Christ, am I going to be this guy? Am I going to lead this flock the way they need to go? Are we going to make it to the other side in one piece, so to speak, without fractures and schisms? And are we going to be able to unite together around God's mission and accomplish God's uh, mission and His power for His glory? That is the pre- that's the preeminent issue. And every one of us has a piece in that. And we've got to decide and make a decision. If we're on board... Or we're not. And so do you hunger? This is the issue at the end of the day. What are we hungry for? What kind of diet do we really want? This isn't about what we like or don't like. It's about really in our soul, what are we thirsting for? You know, Jesus wasn't finding the hunger among the Pharisees that he was finding among the Samaritans. So guess where he went? Samaria. You know where Jesus is going to do his work? He's going to do it among the people that have a heart that hunger for him. And so what an indictment to those of us that have the word of God. We don't want to be like the Pharisees. We don't want to be like Israel. All of that knowledge simply puffed them up. But they didn't walk. They didn't recognize. They didn't see Jesus. At least his disciples had enough sense to listen when he was talking. And go, oh, maybe we're missing something here. Instead of accuse him of, you know, it's interesting. They accuse him of being a Samaritan. The Samaritans were better off than the Pharisees. So Jesus was not going to be distracted with feeding his flesh. There were thirsty souls ready to perish if they didn't partake of the water of life. And the water is always more important than the food. Have you noticed that? Water is always more important than the food. You can live for several months. Um, without food i could probably live a year i mean i don't know but uh but you can only live about three days <laughs> he thought that was funny <laughs> you're not supposed to laugh that hard <laughs> you can only live like three days approximately although i've seen people you know getting ready to die live longer but you can only live about three days without water and then you, you croak you're a dead man or woman no more jokes anyway so, so it's important that we get the food, you know. In John 4, 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. You know, there's some things that just don't satisfy. Some of you have been, maybe, I don't know, in this room, maybe, maybe not, I don't know, hope not, but, you know, you may have been getting into some drinks uh, over the weekend here that didn't satisfy. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now notice what the woman says in verse 15. She says, Sir, let me think about it. She says, Give me that water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. I am tired of coming to this place. I am tired of this. Man, I am ready to get some living water. Give Give me an unending well of water. I am tired of that. Are you, like, run it to my house? Where do I sign? Hook it to the water tower? No. This is all you got to do. You just got to be honest about your sin. Jesus is more concerned about the water of life than the water at the well. Today there is a lot of humanitarian projects that, that we can engage in. We actually have. We actually have done wells uh, in India. And they were good wells. It was good to do that. And there's a plaque somewhere with Heartland Baptist Fellowship on a piece of concrete and water coming out in a village. And that's a good thing. There's nothing, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things, but there's a greater work that needs to be accomplished. The work of sharing the gospel and making disciples. Jesus wasn't rebuking the disciples for going to get some food. That was not a problem. They did need to eat physically. 
He was just pointing out there are some things that are more important. It's the spiritual work. It's the spiritual water of the word of God. And so Jesus cannot give her the water of life until she deals with the root of the death. You know, you can't have the water of life until you acknowledge, uh, yeah, I'm dead in trespassing sins. Else, why do you need the water of life if you're sufficient unto yourself? And so that's what Jesus says to her. He says, uh, there's an obstacle here, young lady. I'd love to give you this eternal water, this water of life. But he goes on to say unto her in verse 16 of John 4, Go call thy husband and come hither. Now notice this. He doesn't just say, you sinner dog. You untoward woman. He doesn't, he doesn't do any of that. He just, he just meets her where she's at. I'll tell you what. Why don't you go call your, your husband? And you know what's amazing about her situation? She gives him a half-right answer. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. So Jesus pries a little deeper and he says, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And this thou says truly. So you just lied to me, but I'm going to give you credit. Because <laughs> you need it. You need it. And, of course, you know what happens. She's like, whoa. You're a prophet. No, you're more than a prophet. Because, no, I'm your Messiah. You are my Messiah. She confesses it, goes back to town, tells everybody. The woman perceives Jesus as a prophet, but raises religious objections before she actually acknowledges that he's the Messiah. First she says, well, you know, man, get off me. We worship over here at Mount Gerizim. You go over to Jerusalem. You know, Jesus just, he kind of just steps over the top of that religious argument. He just says, oh, <clears throat> excuse me. There's coming a day when they that worship God worship him in spirit and truth. So you need to deal with the truth so you can get my spirit. He didn't say that, but that's in essence what he's bringing across. John four twenty four, And so the object lesson to the disciples was, was, was getting through. As they walked up on this conversation with Jesus, the bread of life is pouring out the water of life at a physical well in a place that makes them uncomfortable for a lady who doesn't deserve it, but yet is willing to receive it. And beloved, that's all we're supposed to be doing. The work that we need to be doing is working with people who will receive the truth, being patient with them so that they will hear the truth, being gentle with them so they can receive the truth, giving them, as I like to say, uh, from my city union mission days, every opportunity to be saved, every opportunity to be discipled. We can't make anybody get saved. We can't make anybody follow Jesus, but we can give them opportunities. That's all we do. We're just opportunity givers. In John six thirty three, the Bible says, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Jesus is the one that gives the life. John six thirty eight. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. So Jesus was modeling for the disciples the obedience of a good son. He was showing them what a good son looks like. I am not here, gentlemen, to do my will. I am here to do the will of the Father. My meat is to do the will of the Father. Why? Because I am the bread of life what he said in john chapter 6 i'm here to do the will of him that sent me not what i want to do i don't have the opportunity to go eat right now because i'm doing something the father wants me to do can you say that you're doing the will of the father in heaven this morning you you're in church you're assembling together on the first day of the week praise god you are doing god's will that should you guys are doing you're doing great so once we're done and we say amen what is it that god is calling you to do today tomorrow this week this year it's 2021 Right? So we're going, to have to, we're going to have to make disciples. Or maybe you need to be a disciple. Maybe you're back here saying, you know what? I need to get on board with following Jesus. I perceive that this church is serious about teaching the Bible and following Jesus. I want to get in on that. What must I do to be discipled? Well, guess what? We'll, we'll take you where you're at and we'll get you where you need to go. What kind of attitude? One of the things you can do, you don't even have to sign. There's no program for this. You don't have to do anything special. You just got to adjust the attitude. One of the things that we can do today, point B, right? Point B is examine what is it that we're hungering after. Be honest. Not to me. I don't need to know. 
Because we're dealing with the Father. What are we hungering for? You know, Job said, Neither have I gone back from thy commandment of his lips. I have esteemed thy words of his mouth more than my necessary food. You know, that was a man in tribulation. You know, oftentimes when the word of God is magnified is when you're going through trials and troubles. Man, if you are not going through trials and troubles, double down on this today. Double down on your hunger for God's word. Don't forsake him. Don't forsake his word just because it's going good. I know once your car crashes and everything's going down and all of a sudden you're like, oh, Lord, help. Let me go to the word of God. God, give me something from your word. Right, we do that. But before that happens, decide that you have a divine desire to eat the word of God. I mean, where really are we at in in really communing with God Almighty? How often do you eat food? I bet most of you eat food daily. Well, then eat the Word of God daily. If you want accountability, we'll help you with that and everything. But at the end of the day, this desire needs to come from, well, from you. Now, the thing is, it's hard to eat a steak if if you're a baby and you need the milk. And some of you are coming in on this thing going, what are you? This Bible thing, it's just more than I can bear. It's over my head. For you, I just need to say, hey, you know what we want to do? We want to meet you. We want to we we come down off our platform, get down here where you live, and we want to open up that Bible and get it simple, put it in your mouth so you can taste it and see that the Lord is good. You know what I'm saying? You know what that's called? That's called discipleship. So that you can grow strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So someday you could be the one doing that to someone else in need. In 1 John 5, the Bible says in verse 2, By this we know that we, love the, that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. Oh, I just got to go back to church. I got I to gotta do this. I got to do that. I just I want to go back in the matrix. I can't take it anymore. Right? Man, God doesn't want that. He wants you to love Him. He wants you to enjoy talking. I enjoy talking to the Lord. You know, he, when you open up that book, He talks. He speaks. And if He doesn't, stay there till He does. I'm not talking about volumes. i got places I go when I know I need a word. I'll go to, if I'm really struggling, I'm in a dry spot in the Bible, I'll go to Proverbs, man, until God speaks, because He will. Sometimes he speaks pretty hard. I'm like, oh. But I tell you what, it's good to know that your dad's speaking to you. Are you hungering to be on speaking terms with your father? Jesus was like, up, up, up. Uh-uh. Don't mess up my, my, my meal time here. I'm doing the work of the father. I've got a word from him. I'm doing it. I don't have time for this physical stuff right now. There's spiritual work to be done. Man, would to God that would be us. It's not that Jesus didn't eat. He ate later that day, I'm sure. He was fine. The point is, is that we got to desire the things that God desires for our life. If we don't have desire to obey God's word, we certainly won't be obedient to share it. If we don't have a spirit that desires to obey God's word, that doesn't mean we always obey it, but don't you get convicted when you don't? I know I do. If you're not getting convicted because you don't desire God's word or you're obey, disobeying God's word, you might want to check your Spirit of God card and make sure he's dwelling in you. Because you may have a religion instead of a relationship. That's what the woman at the well had. She could have five husbands and then go live with a dude and, not, and still be religious. There's people, they can come to church all day long, they can listen to sermons all day long and then go live like hell. You know why they can do that? Because the Spirit of God does not dwell in them. What keeps us right with Him is not coming to church on Sunday. It's the Spirit of the living God and the truth of God's Word that convicts our hearts and and, and helps us straighten up because we desire to hear from the Father and do His work. It's a relationship that keeps us right. The last thing, and I'm out of time, and this is short. Disciples need to do the work. There's something that God wants you to do. And this is simply application. God's called them to practical application. In this story, who are we? Are we the woman at the well? 
Are we the men of the city? Are we the disciples learning to follow Jesus? Are we the obedient son who gives his life for the will of the Father? Who are you this morning? Those of us who are Christians often drift in and out, don't we? Of God's good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I know I do. But man, let's desire in 2021. Before we get into, I got stuff coming about missions, and I got stuff, I got practical stuff coming down the road, vision stuff, I, I'll, that'll all be coming. But before we deal with that, let's deal with this. Where's our heart at? Where's our commitment at? Where's our desire to follow Jesus at? Where's our desire to help others follow Jesus at? And where are we at? Man, let's start with that. Let's, let's say, Lord, help me to stay in that perfect, that, that complete will of God. So I don't drift out here in the nether regions all the time, out in this good and acceptable, and you're giving me half-right answers, Brian, but I want the whole truth and nothing but the truth in the perfect will of God. Let's take some practical steps right now to impact 2021. I'm going to give you three simple things. First of all, just simply, let's grow in love. Man, we can all do that. The world's going to grow probably in hate, if we continue to live under Marxist stuff and all this kind of pitting social groups against one another, then guess what? Great Hate's going to grow. The Bible says, by the way, Matthew 24, nation's going to rise against nation. So that's probably going to keep going on. So as the hate rises, guess what we should do? Well, the love should rise. The love should grow. How do you grow love? Oh, I'm glad you asked. An attitude, we just read it, 1 John 5, an attitude of obedience. Be an obedient child of God. Number two, let's grow in wisdom. Remember, these disciples needed discernment. Jesus was completely obedient. He's like, i got to do the will of the Father. I, I love you guys, but I love, I love doing what God wants me to do. That's what I'm doing here. And you guys are following, right? So the disciples, they needed more discernment. Sometimes we need discernment. Which way to go? What should we be doing? What's it mean to lift up my eyes and look on the field? We'll talk about that more next week. But you need, we need wisdom. Matthew 6, 24 says, No man can serve two masters, for he, he will either hate the one and love the other, else he will hold the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. Nothing wrong with having a job, but you can't serve it. Who are we serving? Third thing is, let's grow in faith. Let's believe God's word. The woman at the, the well, you know, she'd been lied to her entire life. They told her, this is where you worship Jesus, or this is where you worship God. Jesus is God. And then Jesus is like, no, that's not true. And by the way, Jerusalem is the right place, but let me just tell you this. I am the way, the truth, and the life, in essence. So just follow me and you'll be okay. Man, let's grow in faith. Let's believe God for his word. There's so much I want to say, but time won't allow it. But let's listen. This is what we can do to help grow in faith. Is You know what? Turn off the fountain of media, whatever sort it is, and turn on the fountain of God's word. I'm not saying no social media ever, right? No wire hangers ever. What movie was that? I don't know. Mommy Dearest, right? I'm not saying that. I'm saying turn down that thing and turn up this. Turn it up. Turn it up. What's he saying? What's he called me to do? Who's he called me to be? Most importantly, who's he called me to be? Then I can do what he wants me to do. Okay, yeah. Let's grow in faith. If we grow in love and we grow in discernment, we grow in faith, man, we'll be going places in 2021. And you know what? You'll have more opportunities to follow Jesus. I'll have more opportunities. This church will have more opportunities to follow Jesus. There'll be opportunities to go to uncomfortable places and share the gospel. We'll be able to, to engage people intentionally through Bible study. There'll be opportunities to take missions trips. We're already planning one for Boston. I uh, hope we get to go back to Joe. I, I'll get into that more, but we need, to, we need to be, we'll go back to Monmouth, right? There's opportunities to, to go and do what God wants us to do. How, how about some uncomfortable work right here where we live, right? There's still opportunities to minister to the children. I know you guys are scared of those little crumb crunchers. And uh, all kinds of opportunities, to get out of your comfort zone right here where we are. So there's uncomfortable places that God wants to take you so you can see more about who he is and what he has for you. So this morning, my main point is simply this. We got to understand that God has spiritual work for, not for Brian, he does have spiritual work for me. Don't look at your neighbor. 
but he has spiritual work for you. He has spiritual work for you. And, and I, I tell you what, guys, we got to have, we got to understand this thing. We need some discernment, we need the right diet, and then we need to do it. Discernment, the right diet, and then do it. Don't wait for someone else. He's calling you. Now, the last mention of this, his work phrase is found in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 10 through 12. I'm not going to read it all, but the last thing it says there is, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according to his work shall be. Now, you cannot work your way into heaven. Let's be clear about that. You're saved by grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, yeah. But you're saved unto good works. Don't kid yourself, Christian. You are put here on the planet to accomplish God's mission and his power for his glory. And you are in a church that wants to help you do that. So I just want to challenge you in 2021. Make sure that's what you're about because the judge is not going to be me. I'm, wor- I'm actually worried about this verse myself. When I get to the judgment seat of Christ, how's it all going to shake out? Was I doing my work? Worry about my belly? Was I doing his work, worrying about belly a belly of living water flowing out to all that would receive it? And at the end of the day, beloved, that's all that matters. Is living water flowing from your life or not? If not, why not? Let's fix it. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank for this time in your word. If you'd stand with me. Heavenly Father, we thank for this time in your word. As we close in a word of prayer, we pray a blessing on the reading, the hearing, and most of all, the listening.